Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout-out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon meanwhile in the hall of justice the members of the justice league are trying to figure out what to order for dinner all right everyone it's taco tuesday and it's my turn to take the orders let's start with arthur arthur there's a deal on fish tacos my man I just don't know if you know that I... I'm not really super into eating my friends, okay? Very well. My man. What do you want? How about we, uh, go to, uh, Steakhouse? You know I like my steak medium well. We could do steak. Clark, what do you think? You know, we could really do whatever. I'm not picky at all. (laughs) But between the choices, we have Taco Tuesday or steaks. You know, when I think real hard about it, I just really can't decide. You guys go ahead and pick. You were supposed to be faster than a speeding bullet. You buy, I fly. <sighs> Let's how, just... Uh, hey, my man, how about we go get some, uh, you know, uh, some General So's chicken down at, uh... Hell, I could swim to Hong Kong real quick. No more new choices. It's either Taco Tuesday or the Steakhouse. I don't need a third option. You know, that's really not a bad idea. Although... I can go either way. Of course you can. Well, hold a second. What's what's not a bad idea? Which one did you say was not a bad idea? Now that you mention it, I totally forget the choices. Uh. He was talking about General So's chicken. You know what I haven't had in a long time? Nathan's hot dog. Man, those are good. But, I don't know. It's not really fitting the craving. Tacos, huh? My man, as long as it's not some sort of, uh... Seafood, some sort of like one of my friends, like Topo or uh, a seal, even any sort of marine life, I'm okay with it. So even though hot dogs are kind of gross, I'm up. I'm up for it. Let's go. Very well, Nathan's it is. Let's start with your orders then, Arthur. I presume you want a number one. My man, you know you really are good at this detective stuff. 
I will go with number one. Yes, I presume that you had an inclination for fries today. I, I will go for that. Yes, I've made the decision easily and quickly. I will go straight for that number one with fries. Good. Clark, I'm not even going to ask. You know what? Surprise me. Surprise you, but I mean, is there, are you tr really sure you don't feel one way or the other about anything on the menu, Cal? I don't want to get hung up on semantics here. You know, whatever's clever. Are you having any kind of craving whatsoever? You have been doing a lot of flying today. I could use a Red Bull. There's no Red Bulls here at Ra Nathan's. They have your regular all manner of fountain drinks, water, tea. Are we in the South? Because they probably have sweet tea. Something like that. You know what I will have is an Arnold Palmer. A decision! Can you believe it, Bats? I've already ordered him from the kids' menu. Right on. I'm vibing with that. Seriously? You're not even going to be mad at me for that? You're a god, Clark. You're supposed to bend steel with your bare hands. I'm ordering from the kids' menu. Shouldn't you be insulted? I like to mix it up. Next time, I'm bringing the kryptonite. Ah, don't get flustered, Bruce. Just, uh, you know, hang tight. Hang loose. Right, Arthur? I smell what you're stepping in, buddy. That's amazing, yes. But you know what? Now I'm sort of feeling fish tacos. I really will eat a friend now. I'm starving. You're gonna get an ulcer, Bruce. Just, uh, you know. Already do -do 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 -do. have one. Just, uh, you know, randomly pick. Uh, here, give me the menu. Let me, I'll just, uh, whatever that is. Get it. You just broke the bat phone. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know my own strength sometimes. I noticed. I never work out. Actually, I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of siding with, uh, with, with Cal now. I, I think that you need to, uh, of course you need are. to settle, settle down now, man. You know, just chill, bro. Just chill. You're gonna pop an embolism, Bruce. It's just takeout. You know what? If you use the app, you'll get discounts. I could have used the app if you hadn't broken the bat phone. Right, right. Uh, here, uh, use my phone. It's solar powered. Pull up the menu. Just, you know, do it at random. No big deal. Here we go. Nathan's hot dogs. All right. Random selection. Boy, the digital age. Am I right, guys? And selected. I hope you're all happy with the choices. Actually, you know, now that you mention it, <laughs> you're gonna hate me. Let's do ramen. Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. I am Andrew, one of your hosts as usual, and I'm once again joined by Benatavius. Hello. And... Last but not least, most certainly, is Wolfatavius Maximus. Hey, what up? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so my plan here today is I'm going to be making a case for Superman being cool. And how I make this case is I'm going to show all of the themes and all of the deep thematic elements and rich mythology surrounding the character. I think a lot of this is unknown by a lot of people, and I think that if more people knew these things, then Superman would be cooler. These are the things that I think make Superman cool. So here we go. Is Superman cool, Ben? Uh, sure, it just depends on how they write him. I think uh, these days, too many people write him off without actually having been exposed to his stories. 
or they're just going off of uh, movies that they've seen or they saw when they were growing up, but didn't really absorb what it was supposed to be about or anything like that. So I, I think he's too often judged for what he represents or what people think of him as opposed to what is actually done to the character. All right. And Wolf Octavius. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Care to elaborate there? Superman is not cool. (laughs) (laughs) All aliens are stupid, and he doesn't even look (laughs) cool. He's got pajamas on. Okay, so we're going with not cool. All right. Um, No, I mean, he's all right. I I don't know that much about (laughs) Superman, other than what I learned from Seinfeld, and that was pretty cool. Interesting, okay. It's like I like Superman the Animated Series, and I have read some Superman comics I have enjoyed. I think Superman's cool, but it's hard these days to find relevance for the character it seems slightly different question but i'm gonna ask it anyway it's kind of similar do you like superman uh yes uh i do for the same reasons basically for yeah for the same re- i think well and this is probably something that we'll end up elaborating on it earlier and i talked a little bit about it in our previous interview with, with the zero issue crew but uh to me i think uh, it's an interesting conceit uh, that at the time, especially when he came out around like the Great Depression era, where it was it was all about uh, trying to give hope to people. The idea, like if you if you look at the context of how he was created, he was pretty much the first superhero, uh, right. in a way. And so the idea wasn't so much just the whole oh he can fly because he didn't fly really in the first issue. Right. It, it wasn't about how he could. Ben Steele was bare hands or anything like that. It's the fact that he was capable of doing all those things, but nobody knew about it. Nobody knew who he was because he was, for all intents and purposes, a human being, a guy with a nine-to-five job, a guy who seemed to have a crush on his coworker who didn't return that crush in return, and he still had, like, a deadline to make and, you know, occasionally, you know, has to... This wasn't in, like, the 1938 comics, but um, it's uh, it was a time where he probably had to make rent and all those sorts of things. But nobody knew that this is a man who was capable of destroying and enslaving humanity, who had the, who had the possibility right. of doing that. But right. instead he chose uh, to instead help people based off of his upbringing that they expanded upon a little later uh, than in that time. But I think that's what pe- what is relatable about him is the fact, is sort of the more average Joe aspect that I think people forget because they focus too much on the superpower and not enough on the Clark Kent. Okay, and Wolfie, you pretty much you said you don't know much about him, so you don't know if you like him or not. No. <laughs> all right, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, he's all right. All right, so I'm going to go into some personal reasons. So when Kill Bill Volume Two came out, they had that one section where they talked about a mythology. A mythology is not only great; it's unique. A staple of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When that character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with the big red S. That's the blanket he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. 
What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with us. Clark Kent is how Superman views us. And what are the characteristics of Clark Kent? He's weak. He's unsure of himself. He's a coward. Clark Kent is Superman's critique on the whole human race. I was probably in my early 20s. I was still in college. Mm -hmm. And I, when they started in the theater, I remember when he said, oh, he's going to say Superman. And he does. And I was just like, I, at the time, I, I was also one of those people that thought Superman was lame. And I think there's something about maybe getting older, too. You start to appreciate a character like Superman more. I don't know. But uh, I definitely like him more than I did at that time. And then cut to Man of Steel. And I know it's a fucking controversial-ass movie. But there was something about the timing in my life where, like, I'm, I became non-religious out of college. I grew up kind of religious, or at least in a religious setting. And then during my, I had like a deconversion kind of thing that happened to me. What do you mean? Well, that, that I went through uh, kind of in college and kind of pretty much finished, had a conclusion when I was living in Japan, actually. Show me on the Superman doll where they touched you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. But so basically, I, I, I just lived for like 10 years or so without like any kind of religion and I'm still not religious but I'm just trying to add like a personal story here there was something about the Man of Steel trailer and it could have been probably any Superman movie really I thought you were a Scientologist no I'm not <laughs> but I'm, I'm a what do you call it um, secular humanist agnostic atheist anyway that's beh that's beside the point well that's part of the point is that what you put on the census uh, I put Jedi no I don't know I think I just put you register when you vote I put none probably but anyway, there was something Sorry. about the feeling of something grand that really affected me. And I don't know. It's really affected me, man. And at that time, I would say, especially especially that time, 2013 to 15 or whatever, probably Superman was my favorite hero. Mm. And I went on Reddit and I read all of Superman's, well, not all of them, but most of the suggested reading on the, on the right, on the subreddit for Superman. You know, I learned about All-Star Superman from that, probably, and just, like, there was just something about it that really clicked, and I started I started working out a lot at that time, too, like, wearing Superman shirts. I was one of those douchebags, but, you know, but, but you know, like, I, I was, like, super into it, mm -hmm. super into Superman, and the movie came out, and I do, I still defend it in a lot of ways, but I do, we're not going to get into Superman talk, I mean, a Man of Steel talk at this time, but... Like, there was just something about it. And uh, despite all its faults, I still like a lot of that movie. Anyway, it was just like a weird thing in my life. And, and I never really liked Superman that much before that point. So I guess thanks, Snyder. I don't know. So at Comic-Con, I talked to Michael Uslan really quickly. I took a picture with him. And he tells me, I was like, so uh, I, I said... I don't even know how he got in this conversation, but he told me that lately he's, he, Batman producer extraordinaire, is currently feeling Superman more than Batman. So I think it's common for people to kind of, you know, you go into moods. You have moods. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you feel this one more than that one. Hell, when I'm out surfing or scuba diving, I feel, I feel Aquaman more, you know?
Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just how it is. Just the setting that you're you're around. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the setting. The ocean? Stuff like that. Yes. The ocean, yeah, you know. Like, uh, I think Grant Morrison thinks of it as, like, almost like heroes or totems. Just some sort of, like, you know, some sort of, like, uh, hero that you're vibing with. You'd, even though you know it's fake, mm-hmm. you... There's something about it that can be inspiring. You well, they were all also connected, at least in his run, it felt, to the Greek gods. Where Yes, you know, I was going to get into that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, where Aquaman is obviously some form of Poseidon, but uh, he sort of sees Batman as Hades and Superman as Zeus. Green Lantern, I think, is Apollo, Flash is Hermes, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of shit. Especially Mercury. with the, the, the lightning and the Jay Garrick helmet if you go into the Jay Garrick Flash, so yeah. Yeah, they especially in Justice League comics, for sure. It's a good way to um, kind of combine all their uh, their powers, at least thematically. All right, so let's go into uh, why people don't like it. Like, why are we even asking this question? What What are some problems or misconceptions of things about Superman that p- people don't like about him? Uh, let's start with Wolfie this time. What are the common misconceptions? Oh, he's too powerful, or he's... That's pretty much the only argument I know about. He's too powerful. He's so, too powerful. Yeah, he's got too many abilities. And then they seem to frequently take away abilities to try and spin his tail a little bit better. Right. But I think it's really mm-hmm. the writers just aren't uh, aren't touching on the humanity that is expressed through the character himself. People, you know, like if you're just looking for something cool, there's that shit a dime a dozen. It's everywhere. But if you're but if you're mm-hmm. you know, keeping your eye open, there's great Superman stories that that play on that. I can't name all of them, but or right. any of them, most of them. Death of Superman. I read that shit. <laughs> that rocked my world, I'll tell you that much. That whole thing with Doomsday and everything. Yeah, they, they say that he's boring, partially because of the powers. So that ties into what Wolf was saying, but also due to the whole Boy Scout thing where he just wants to do the right thing. And I think some people perceive that. And again, that is, to agree with Wolfie's point, like some of that is down to the writers as well. You know, if it's right. just very simple straight lace black and white type stuff it's not very interesting uh if if they don't explore the toll that it takes on him as a human being even though yeah he's technically not a human being but uh, by human being i'm talking about the emotional soul at the core of him the clark kent side of him the side of him that is still believes or grew up believing that he was human you know he still feels that he's one of us even if he doesn't actually even if he actually physically isn't uh so i think a lot of people overlook that and they just say like oh he's boring he just doesn't really he just saves the day he's too powerful all that bullshit right yeah there's something kind of standard vanilla about superman i guess for a lot of people but hopefully we'll change their minds Mm. all right uh yeah i have like a whole list here for this one is let's the boy scout thing Mm -hmm. people say oh it's just a big blue boy scout but for me it's just like the boy scout thing is just who cares (laughs) <laughs> like everybody loves Captain America now. He's a big Boy Scout as well. Like I just feel like that is to me that is kind of a comment that is d- doesn't work on me. I don't right. think that I don't think it's really that great of a critique. It it's just you just don't you like dark characters. Just just say that. Yeah, and I think if you were to bring up the Captain America argument, they'd be like, well, Captain America's still like mortal and shit like that. And I'm just like, well, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily change the fact it's a similar attitude. Like it's the similar type of archetype in terms of just character in terms of personality right the next one is he's too overpowered i think that also i don't like this in a sense because it's not like he's fighting i mean he fought muhammad ali but that was under a red sun lamp or whatever right like he's he's obviously going to fight people that are his power level if he's fighting physically or 
if it's Lex Luthor, he's going to be wearing the fucking suit, kryptonite, something like that, mm-hmm. or some sort of mind game that Superman didn't get, you know, some sort, I don't know, you know, some, something that uh, his tries to beat him with intellect. So I also feel like this overpowered thing is... It's not great. I mean, all the superheroes other than Batman have, like, they're, they're obviously overpowered against any human, you know? Captain America's fucking overpowered. I think the central conceit of any superhero is going to be that he has the capability or has some sort of ability that the villain does not. Right. Or that he has something that the ordinary person doesn't have. So that's kind of intrinsic to the entire story as opposed to, or the entire genre, really as opposed to something that's specific to Superman. It's just it's just kind of like, it irks me, like we said in the last episode. It's a little bit irksome <laughs> to me. Mm-hmm. Also, with the overpowered thing, this is like a mythological kind of thing, right? Especially with like the bigger the powers, you get to have a bigger stage. You get to fight in space, you know? You get to punch people to other planets. Like, you know, I think that in recent years, Dragon Ball and anime have kind of taken that that helm with, like, zany, overpowered action. But I do think that that was a big part of Superman. People, like, especially in the Golden Age and Silver Age, probably they wanted to tone that down after a while. But there was something kind of fun about fighting on such a big level, you know? Mm-hmm. I think, and I don't know if this is on your list, but uh, the overpowered thing kind of ties into people being just like, you know, he can't be killed. And things like that, you know, you're, you're never worried about life or death situations with him, is what they right. they argue. And I'm just like, when do you ever honestly buy that Batman's not going to make it yeah, out of the story? <laughs> like comic you, books, as like, as Kevin Smith says, comic books are stuck in the second act most of the time. Huh. Or just even beyond comic books, like when did you really think Bruce Willis was going to die and die hard? When did you really think John Wick was going to die? Right. We're not really there. We're not actually worried about the deaths of these characters. If you are worried about the deaths of these characters, you don't understand how movies work. You like you don't yeah. understand like how stories and franchises work. Back to what you're saying about Dragon Ball Z, like they kind of one thing they do to somewhat get out of that second act is uh allow for like Goku's lineage. You know, and they take on the story of the child after the hero has, like, gone through his big crusade. Dude, I was just finished that last night. (laughs) Spoilers, but when Goku is done. (laughs) Yeah, right. So it's cool to have the passing of the torch, and we don't seem to get that. We don't seem to get that too much yet with our superheroes. Yeah, I agree. People say he's unrelatable. Pretty much covered that with the whole, like, Superman... The relatable parts of Superman don't come from being Superman. They come from being Clark Kent. They come from... Right. Like, can you imagine if Superman's day identity was Bruce Wayne? Nobody <laughs> would really relate to that. He's like, wait a minute. He can, he's can. he got the powers of a god. He could fly. You can't shoot him. And he's a billionaire playboy who's in charge of the CEO of the company and everything. And can get whatever <laughs> right. he wants. He's the one percenter. You know? Yeah, exactly. What they did. percent man. And I'm the gonna, ultimate power. I'm going to repeat what I said on the zero issue thing. There was an interesting conceit where they almost flipped uh, the dynamic. Uh, you have the you have one secret identity that's not supposed to be relatable, a secret identity that's out there. Uh, that's 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 something that's not really something that you would hope to achieve at some point, or you can fantasize about, but you aren't really. And then you have the other side that's more relatable. So when it comes to Superman. Sure, like the you've got the whole conceit about the fact he can fly, he can do all of these things, he's got all these superpowers, but behind all that is the Clark Kent story. Behind all that is the guy who just wants to be one of us, who just wants to fit in, who just wants to belong and have an ordinary life. And 
the struggles that come around uh, with that because he can't have an ordinary life because he's not even a man. He's not even a human being uh, right. and all those things. And, and all of us have felt at some point being some sort of outcast or being alone in some sort of way. You know, they call him the last son of Krypton, even though that kind of gets, uh, you know, contradicted a lot once like Zod and all the Phantom Zone people and Supergirl <laughs> and everybody yeah. starts showing up. But there's it, actually a lot of them. There's yeah, there's actually he's not really the last son anywhere, but uh, he still feels like alone because even if he's not technically the last son, he's the last he's the only one who grew up on Earth. Right. He's the only one who's had some sort of childhood here. We were believing that he was human being and only to find out that you're not a human being and you're not at all among the people who you love and care for and all those things. So there's there's the related that's the relatability factor to me is behind the Clark Kent stuff. Why he chooses you know, in the old days he chose to be a journalist just because he wanted to like get intel on the world and know when things were going on. But I'd say like these days it's because he also wants to, to continue doing the right thing or what he sees to be uh, doing the right thing without having to use his fist, without having to fly, without having to be showy about it. He, he wants right. to do it the way a realistic person could do because he wants to be human. Uh, so that's that's what I would say on terms of relatability. And then to bring it into into Batman, like the Bruce Wayne side is the unrelatable part. The, the playboy, <laughs> the billionaire, the C, like the very few people. That's very interesting. Aspects. The reason that's why, that's the, true. Yeah, the reason that's why true. people relate to it is the Batman side, the fact that he could get hurt, and on top of that. The fact that he's driven by some sort of pain and trauma that he can never really get over, and that's the side that we relate to. We relate to the we relate to the superhero of Batman and the human being of Clark Kent, but we don't relate to the uh, the Playboy side of Bruce Wayne, nor do we right. relate to the God of Superman. But we relate to the men behind those masks, and that's the appeal of those characters. The thematic there, and I'm definitely not the first to say this, but. Batman is essentially thematically a man trying to be God or get to a godlike level of physique or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and mind. But then Superman is a God trying to be man mm-hmm. on a thematic level. Another one, and this is more of a minor one, I guess, but overly optimistic, pe- maybe too bright for some people. That seems more personal preference than an actual criticism. I can kind of see which I mean, I feel like I've heard that maybe. Some people just really have a natural preference, and I get it. I totally get it. I like dark shit, too, but some people just really have a preference for dark shit and only dark shit, and then mm-hmm. anything that has that is bright at all, color-wise, thematic-wise, you know, they're just not into it. So I, it is personal preference, I guess, yes. It's like what Neil Young said, can't relate to joy. You know, some people can't do it. <laughs> they don't, and not that they're right. not happy, but they just are like, when somebody's like super happy and bright, it's a little suspect to some people. That's true. That's 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 interesting. Yeah. You can't trust somebody that's overly optimistic. Maybe that's part of it. Like super happy music? I'm not with it. All right. All right. And then this is less of a critique on the character, but just I think that a lot of people I think a lot of people forget the sci-fi aspects of the character because people seem to just focus on like his the brightness, the good goodness, near religious figuriness of him. 
Mm-hmm. But we do have, with Superman, spaceships, aliens, laser beams. You know, the creators of Siegel and Schuster, it is noted that they did have a love for sci-fi at the time. Siegel described his friendship with the similarly shy and bespectacled Schuster, quote, When Joe and I first met, it was like the right chemicals coming together, end quote. They shared a love of science fiction and adventure fiction and movies. So, I don't know, people just forget about Krypton or the spaceship aspect or whatever, him fighting aliens, but... This is another thing kind of to Man of Steel's credit. They did kind of, they they wanted to kind of focus on a more sci-fi take in a way. And Goyer, he said he had an idea from watching The Day the Earth Stood Still, things like that. It's a, you know, alien invasion kind of take mm-hmm. uh, with the movie. So I thought that that in and of itself was good, even though there might have been some other parts of the movie that were not so great. Another one sort of sci-fi thing. He can be taken out with a green rock. We had this brought up in our last episode. Actually, people don't like kryptonite. I think what's interesting, because uh, I have thought about this before as well, if Batman goes up against an ordinary man or criminal, you know that guy's going to get his ass kicked. Similar thing with Superman, but what if that ordinary person had kryptonite? Anybody who has this green rock can actually take out Superman. So what seems like a weird weakness is actually really the power of any human being to take out an alien because of being xenophobic because of being right uh, uh, because of being a criminal and just wanting to get him out of the way but uh if, if anything him having kryptonite makes can make him weaker than the quote-unquote more relatable batman right because batman can so kick well. anybody's ass but anybody can kick superman's ass if you have the kryptonite i think and i think that actually kind of works in a lot of ways because if it's it's like uh it's not like there's like a shitload of kryptonite everywhere. Somebody has to go get it. Also, his name is Lex Luthor. It can it can work like a MacGuffin. Addis Ababa. That's what Elon Musk is putting in your phones. <laughs> it always looks cool when it comes up on screen, and I like the idea. Actually, it's like this substance that's like repellent or or depleting of his energy. I think it's pretty cool. I don't know why any. It's I mean what is it's I mean what are other people's superheroes weaknesses like the Flash or Green Lantern is yellow. Yellow, yeah. <laughs> they took that out though, right? Oh. That's not part uh, of the. They still joke. They still joke at it. I think he's like evolved beyond it. Maybe. Yeah. Well, the Green Lantern. The original Green Lantern's weakness was wood. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. But I think kryptonite is <laughs> Get interesting. Get the tree away from me. <laughs> what makes what makes kryptonite interesting is that it's his home planet that hurts him. You know. The fact that he's in. Yeah, it's almost thematically like the fact he's an alien. Yeah. Yeah, con- the constant rem- the thing that could kill him is the thing that he is, like Carl Sagan might say, Stardust. Like what Ben said, anybody can get their hands on it, and then anybody can take him out. I think that, and to thematically, just a regular human being able to take out God, uh, or a God, if you only uh, find this treasure in a sense you know what i mean i think there's something that works on a on a, on a writing level i guess you could say so i th- i think i think even that works and then the other one the last one in this particular list here is we have uh i think that the idea of perfect perfect human be- human being is a bit too much for some people they don't see perfection as inspiring they see it as imposing overwhelming fascist you know, it's like a it's a standard that obviously no one can be perfect. Really, Superman's not perfect either, but you know, I guess the closest thing to, to it, it. Yeah. in comics mm-hmm. in in a lot of ways. From the way you put it right off, I could relate 
to that idea of maybe being too perfect. The idea of perfection is ridiculous. I'll just say that to your your. I think Jim Fagan, our, our one of our interviewees from last the last episode uh, from Zero Issue, kind of put it best, where he's just like. Uh, he brought up that he, he felt that it's almost now to the detriment to cast a good-looking, chiseled white dude as Superman these days uh, because of the fact that that's, that isn't really the face of relatability anymore uh, during these days. And so the idea of the super good-looking white dude also being perfect and all those things, uh, you know, politically isn't super popular uh, right now. And... I think you know not to not to get too into into that spectrum, but I, I do think there is something to be said though about experimenting with a Superman who doesn't look like that. Whether that is a more average Joe looking Superman who isn't you know from the Cavill, Christopher Reeve type uh, look, or going with a POC on this, because let's face it, there is a connection to immigration with Superman. Yeah. There is a connection yeah. of somebody who comes into this place and uh, you know might not be from here but kind of helps make it what it is and it is to me i'm like well if you really want to reboot superman if you really want to reinvigorate it i'd be interested to see somebody who's not a white guy as superman because i've seen that you know a million times there's plenty of versions of that will smith uh i'd be interested in a latino superman i'd be interested in an asian superman i'd be interested in you know that's not just me listing out the ethnicity there was rumors of michael b jordan was being considered right though i think he said that he would prefer to be the calvin ellis version who's the like the president president on one world who oh yeah is is like superman so yeah um that makes sense. but like any any one of those could be uh, interested. I think at one point even Will Smith was offered the role, uh, whatever. But it's it is. I was joking. Something to be said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is there's something to be said about trying that out in this day and age where people want to see more diversity. People want to, you know, the the face of immigration is just not this. It's just not. It's just not. It, you know, it's the, yeah, it's it's not thing. not definitely not anymore. I definitely mm-hmm. think maybe in the 30s when because Siegel and Schuster were well, they were born here, but their parents were Jewish immigrants. Right. Yeah. I think and from Lithuania. You, and then um, you had a ton of you had a ton of at that time, the 30s and 40s, especially when you know people were trying to escape from the Holocaust and those types yeah. of things. So that, that yeah. fit at that time. But these days, I would argue. Yeah, maybe updated in that way. Up, update yeah. it, update it this way, and like you're still going to have people complain about it. But I'm just like, screw it. Like this is if you really want to emphasize that aspect, then maybe that's maybe the way to he's go. from North Korea and he, he gets into America <laughs> somehow via a boat. Clark Kent. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go like maybe an Asian Superman route, that's interesting. Like it's like the Star Trek thing where you know they hired or they they made Russian characters during the Cold War. You know what I mean? Like you you put characters in there that are you know in the in the current times. There's some uh, political, let's just say, political friction. So it, it, I mean, yeah, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But if there was if there was an Asian Superman, maybe from North Korea, well, maybe from from China. There's political friction there as well, but potentially, you know, we still have to reconcile that with the the upbringing, you know, like with right, the right, right. with the with the Kents and everything. Like there is something to be said about him, 
about the the role of the Kents in his story because they yeah. make him what he is. That's why that's the whole conceit around the Red Sun storyline. Is like, that's, what if he landed somewhere uh, yeah. else? Yes. He would be a completely different person. It's because of Jonathan Martha Kent that he is what he is. You uh, have led me right into my next talking point. Well, Keep going. There we go. Then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, well, but that was my main thing. Is that like you would still. So that that leads me to my to that that is my next point, Ben. Um, the nature versus nurture thing. This is a obviously one of the biggest theme thematic elements in Superman. Basically, uh, especially since Red Sun came out, for sure, um, Superman seems to be uh, somebody that is very much more nurture than nature in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason that he is good is because of that down home country, <laughs> all American, you know. Uh, you know, lifestyle or whatever, uh, how he was raised in, in Kansas, you don't get that so much with Batman, or do you? Compared in terms of the upbringing? I mean, na- Nature versus nurture. I mean, he has Alfred, I guess, but it seems like he would have... It has less Bat- to do with Alfred and more to do with his parents it, being shot. It has more to do with his reaction to trauma. That's what. That's more of the, the Batman story, as opposed to Nature versus nurture with Superman. I mean, that's the big difference between him and, and Zod. You know, right, is, right, is right. the upbringing. You know, who knows... Who he could have been if Krypton didn't explode? Maybe he wouldn't have been anybody, you know? Right. Like maybe he would have just been just some random son of a scientist who's also a scientist. Like that's what the um, the episode that's based on the Alan Moore comic uh, for the man who has everything kind of shows is that Kal right. on Krypton, if it didn't explode, he was just a normal, ordinary guy with a family. And in the end, that's all that Superman really wanted until he realized it was all a dream. And this family that he had was a lie, and he had to say goodbye to the son that he thought he had, who didn't even exist. There's an alternate timeline where he could have had an ordinary life on Krypton, but instead it he came here, and the fact that he was raised by the Kents is what led him to become Superman. Not the right. fact that he's not just the fact that he's from Krypton. Krypton just gave him the powers, but it's the Kents who gave him Superman. Right. So the next thematic element is uh, supreme goodness. I had this conversation with with Felix, who was in one of an old, old episode, he was saying that like Japan doesn't have this whole idea of like a supremely good deity. And that mainly comes from like a Judeo-Christian kind of Abrahamic religion kind of influence. And um, a lot of people in recent years want to relate Superman to Jesus, but these original creators, Siegel and Schuster, were, were Jewish. And possibly there's a little bit of that. Well, I would say not possibly, more than likely, 99% uh, chance that uh, some of their uh, Jewish upbringing was... And 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 the religion really is in the Superman mythos. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, the other one is uh, absolute power, not corrupting absolutely. This hints back at the nature versus nurture argument. People just seem to not really like Superman never cracking. I mean, we, we see evil Superman a lot recently, but <laughs> oh, yes. the core of the character is that he doesn't crack. But I think people often say that's kind of like a superpower in and of itself. He seems to have this will to always do good. He never mm-hmm. really corrupts. Then we get into... Just general themes of justice, which is part of all superheroes, really. One thing I think is interesting in the history of Superman was one of the creator's fathers died in a grocery store robbery. And people often think that they had this idea. They wanted like the sense of justice, especially uh, I think it was Siegel, Jerry Siegel. I think his it was his father that died. Dang. You know, these are the guys that created the superhero, you know, so they, mm-hmm. they maybe they had some he had some sort of like inner yearning for for justice in his own life. Interesting thing I found in doing research for this episode is that people that hear the story often think that it was from a gunshot. But 
the coroner's report, it seems to be that he died of a heart attack from shock during the robbery. That sucks. Interesting. Suffered no gunshot, actually. Is it widely believed that he was shot? I think that people hear grocery store robbery, and yeah, people that actually get this far in their research, they think that, but then another step deeper is like, no, it wasn't that. He just had a heart condition, I guess. What's interesting is that, just to bring in uh, Batman into that, is that's the original, uh, one of the ways that Martha died, Martha Wayne died. Oh, shit. In Batman Mythos. Not in the very first appearance in Detective Comics 33, but I think Batman 47, which is where that introduced Joe Chill, part of it, in that version where they first introduced Joe Chill, they said that Joe Chill only shot Thomas. And right. that was it, because he was only hired to shoot Thomas. Uh, okay. Martha died of heart of a heart attack or heart failure from seeing her, from basically the trauma of seeing her husband get killed in front of her. That's interesting. Maybe that was maybe that was in the water there. Maybe, maybe Bill Finger there. took that from, <laughs> from uh, the death of uh, Seal's dad. But uh, it, that is an interesting part. And then Grant Morrison then just contextualized it and said that, you know, Martha was shot, but it wasn't, it was only fatal because she had a weak heart. So people, that was his version of it. People do gossip, and people, you know, they were in the same uh, office, I'm sure, many times. So I mm-hmm. think, yeah, that's that's possible. That that actually could have been in, influenced there. So, man, holy yeah. shit. In early Superman comics, you know, before they really had a lot of supervillains, he's kind of taking down corrupt bankers and people like that, right? He is. He even, uh, there's a war going on at one point, and he takes the leader of one country, and he flies over to the other country, he takes that leader, and he puts the two dictators together, and he's just like, all right, talk it out. <laughs> and he's like, do you guys know why you're fighting? And they're like, we don't know. And then he's like, all right. But he like he single-handedly stops a war. He goes on, like, when Grant Morrison did the New 52 reboot, he wanted to recapture that feeling from the 1938 comics, or the action comics uh, at that time. And so it was him taking down the man. It was him taking down uh, the corrupt and the, like the stuff that you would expect Batman to be going to be going after and, and everything. That those were the original Superman villains before Lex Luthor, before uh, you know Brainiac, before any of the aliens even. Like there were no alien right. villains just at all Superman, until right? like the fifties yeah. or so. Yeah. Like it was it was mainly just Superman and a whole bunch of human beings. Uh, corrupt human Those beings, of course. But dirty yeah. dogs on Wall Street. This is another thing that's kind of connected with all this, like, especially now with, like, Black Lives Matter and, like, kind of like, uh, how do I, how can I say this? A white dude beating up other people's really not a <laughs> yeah. great image yeah. right now. You know what I mean? So Superman has this, like, he's like ultimate white dude in a sense, but not white power, never been associated with that. Actually taken down the Klan and he was invented by Jewish guys. But it's like he, you know, like it was like it still kind of has probably has that that image in a lot of people's minds and which isn't great. But the thing is, he has this he has this like uh, his origin is in these stories of helping out the the people, the downtrodden, you know, mm-hmm. helping out minorities, helping out uh, anybody that needs help. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, who the fuck? I mean. You know, I'm sure Superman, they need to, I'm sure they're writing, they're writing stuff right now where Superman's marching in the streets with Black Lives Matter people, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's, it's not entirely out of his character for, for him to be a part of that side of the spectrum. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, just in general, Superman being there to help, uh, or to help the downtrodden stuff is, is, those are things that most people sort of 
repost on Reddit and shit. I think the most famous page from All Star Superman. Yeah, has nothing to do with the main story, but it is just him being there for a suicidal woman. That's the thing. Like he he could be saving um, a nuclear power plant in Russia, but this woman's about to jump off a fucking ledge, and he's like, "Well, that's a, that's the that's Superman's dilemma all the time is choosing who to save." But yeah, that that's one of the most yeah. powerful panels. People love that. I I love that 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 whole page. It's it has become iconic with with Superman in recent mm-hmm. years, and and mm-hmm. for good reason. Tells everything about the character. It's it, it's a testament to Grant Morrison really understanding how to fucking write whoever the fuck he's writing, you right. know? Yes. So, and he, I mean, he also said that, like, he in All-Star, he made him more powerful because he's like, this is not about the powers. This is about emotional uh, resonance. Right, which is why that's considered to be one of the best Superman stories, is because of the fact that he understood that. It, it, the, the powers are just a conceit, that, that, but the, the whole thing is not really about that. Just like Bruce Wayne's money is not really part of the story. Uh, that much outside of just like oh he that he was able to do this with Wayne technology but that doesn't have anything to do with the emotion of the story that's true I could see yeah, his money is more or less a setting almost <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> now that I think like about it yeah. that's, that's why the Aronofsky thing works so well or why it throws people off so much it's just like what he's not right. rich fuck that and people actually have said that people have actually said they didn't that they're glad Aronofsky's thing didn't work because uh, he wasn't uh, that seemed to fly in the face yeah because it flies in that in the face and I'm just like if you read the actual thing you realize the whole conceit is to say that Batman doesn't need to be rich because being rich doesn't make him Batman yeah it helps that's him, true certainly. it's a good it's good it's yeah. good but for yeah, sure. that, that's why that's our favorite uh, for those of you who haven't checked out that episode, check out the Aronofsky Batman script deep dive. That's why that's our favorite unmade Batman movie mm-hmm. of all the yeah, stuff that, that we've reviewed that so was, far. Oh, yeah. I couldn't believe how good that was. Those types of things, they throw people off. But I'm just like, if you actually read it, the essence of the character is still there. Just like with Superman, you know, the essence of the character would still be there even if he's not a white dude. I know, just to bring it back to the whole yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. but I'm like... yeah. These days, the image of people who rise up against the man, people who who fight the oppressed and stuff, that's usually not, you know, it's usually not a good-looking white dude. It's usually somebody who's a person (laughs) of color. It's how we see it these days. I'm just stating what it is, not necessarily stating preferences. Uh, But as, you know, as an Asian man myself, I'm just like, you know what? Let's see. Let's see something different. I'm, I'm open to seeing that but also seeing that that can connect thematically i know people will flip their shit when they see that but at this point i'm like you really want to reboot superman that's that's how you do it but you you have to emphasize it's not about the powers at all it's about the man it's not about the super it's it's the man part of that the last one before the break is the other thematic element probably one of the biggest ones in recent years especially since 2004 when mark raid uh Mark Wade created the idea or thought of the idea and birthright was to cr- create the S symbol or make the S symbol a symbol of hope. And I was wondering what you guys thoughts on that. Do you like that S symbol actually meaning that or do would you rather it just be an S? I like the way that the story tends to evolve through different writers and creators and stuff, even to the point of the movies where he says, like, in Kryptonian, it's a symbol for hope and that kind of thing. I like how people add those kind of things towards it, because really all it means is Superman, but <laughs> right. yeah. it yeah, can I mean know. so much more, and we've seen that. Yeah, I I actually like it a lot as well. I think that it's, a, it's an element that should stay uh, there. I mean, for example, there's 
there are two Japanese katakana symbols that look like an I and an E, or a ba- one looks like a backwards E, mm-hmm. but still, like a lot of times, characters can look similar to to another, you know, in in, in different, completely different languages. So, uh, what looks like an S to us, of course, look, yes, yeah, of course, it's Superman, of course, but. Right. And that's what it was for so long in 2004. But I don't mind it also meaning hope in Kryptonian. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. And um, Superman being the character he is, I think that Mark Wade. I don't know. It's a great addition for Mark Wade, really. For me, I, I think I actually like the uh, the Smallville take on it, where the insignia or the logo for the House of L was the same shape, but the actual symbol was a little different, a little bit more alien looking. And yeah, so that was cool, too. Symbolically, the S is kind of like the the human side of him mixed with the Kryptonian side. Uh, that's so cool. it's, it's like the mix of both uh, is what they had in in that version. I believe I'll have to I'll have to look again just to see just to make sure that the S symbol didn't actually then turn out to be some other Kryptonian thing. But I'm pretty sure in the beginning it looked like like an eight inside of that uh, in shield thing, and then when he was given the Superman suit, of course, it turned into. Uh, the Superman logo. Well, he turned it into a Superman logo around like season eight or so. So, but uh, the main idea though I, that I like is is the mix of both. Is saying like I am from Krypton and from Earth. I'm not one or the other. That's interesting. I've actually uh, full disclosure here. I've never really seen a whole lot of Smallfield guys, but <laughs> deep dive <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> that wasn't part of my uh, my research from Reddit and all that. But right, right. <laughs> But I think it's kind of lucky with the, with S the way S looks because that curve it looks like one strand of the D, of DNA also. I don't know if anybody's oh. ever really moved it, mo- uh, you know, uh, taken it that direction. But you know, there's something that maybe can be done there. So yeah, I, I it's just like a, a squiggly line being the S symbol. I think that it's it works. So anyway, after the break, we're gonna go even deeper. Gordon. I got here as quickly as I could. It only took an hour and 45 minutes this time. Well, actually, you got here more than an hour later than I turned this damn thing on. I saw it in the sky, and as soon as I saw it, I went straight to Gotham. I don't mean to be telling you your business or anything like that, but, you know, isn't there an easier way, possibly a more direct line of communication between you and I and this light. There is nothing more efficient than a motherfucking light in the sky. Hold on one second, I'm getting a call. Yes? Master Bruce, everything alright? Yes, but don't call me that right now. I'm on the rooftop. Oh shit, sorry. Call me the Dark Knight, Great Caped Crusader, or Batman. Any of those three will be perfectly acceptable. Alright, let's talk to you later. Dark Knight, Cape Crusader... Whatever, I used to change your diapers. You see... Oh, what was that, Gordon? You see, that's kind of exactly what I'm talking about here, is I know you have other means of communication within direct lines of people that we mutually know. So all I'm saying is, you know, this big old fucking light that's sucking up power from the GCPD, uh, you're driving up the major crimes unit's electricity bill, like, you won't even believe. I mean, you have all these toys and everything. You see, Gordon... You and I have a a specific relationship. I have an extremely, extremely powerful computer at the Batcave, and I hack all kinds of government satellites on the daily. But between you and me, I like to keep it 
old school, you know what I'm saying? I just don't like for things to get too clingy. Your words, not mine. All I'm saying is, well anyway, the Joker just killed like 19 people. What? How do you know that? Let me check my phone. Fuck, Alfred's calling again. I mean, fuck. Go get the goddamn Joker! Alright everybody, if you like that little preview to the sketch right there, we have that, plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces, and uh, review type stuff, and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod, and if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Oh! Hello, this is Norman Osborn, otherwise known as the Green Goblin. And you're listening to superhero stuff you should know. You're gonna have one hell of a time. <laughs> and we're back, everybody. Hi. So, uh, the, next, the next part, we're gonna go into uh, Superman and philosophy. As with all superhero stuff, well, a lot of it, there's a lot of philosophy with, especially on the DC side, I feel like, more so than Marvel, but I could be wrong about that, correct me if I'm wrong, but on a personal note, I'm a big fan of kind of combining what was originally a childhood medium, you know, a medium Mm -hmm. for for children, and but combining that with, like, (laughs) you know, actual true wisdom, you know, kind of deep ideas and things like that, there's, for me... There's something that comes full circle in that regard, mm-hmm. you know, like from child to old to, to old age, I guess. So this kind of stuff I, yeah. I really get into. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm no philosopher and this is only scratching the surface. We're not it's not like the deepest right. thing in the world The people write books about this. So but basically a lot of people think that Superman is more Immanuel Kant mm. Kant mm-hmm. than and Batman is more Nietzsche. Mm. There's even a scene in Superman three in which Lorelei Ambrosia, the blonde bombshell, is secretly reading Kant's Critique of Pure Reason. How can he say that pure categories have no objective meaning in transcendental logic? What about synthetic unity? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Ooh. I didn't even know about Critique of Pure Reason until Skeeter from Doug told me in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> they call me Skeeter when I meet her. You can call her Patty Mayonnaise. There's an episode of Doug where Skeeter gets smart, or he's always been smart, but Doug finally realizes it, and he mm. starts talking about all that kind of stuff, and I that still sticks with me. It's one of the top Doug episodes. A Critique of Pure Reason? What's this? Oh, just some book. It's pretty cool. The possibility of apodictic. Apodictic principles? What's that? Well, I mean, he's using the word oddly here because he wants to prove an a priori body of synthetic knowledge is exhibited in the general doctrine of motion. Anyway, to butcher these ideas, basically, Kant, <laughs> st- Kant stressed... Kant or Kant? Please forgive me, out Kant there, guys. boy. <laughs> All those philosophy majors are just like, ugh. Yeah. Kant. Screaming <laughs> in their cars on the way... Actually, I don't know how many people are driving these days. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know, right? I'm going to go with Kant right now. Kant stressed reason to influence morals rather than religion. And again, if you're if you grew up in like a non-religious household, maybe you don't get this, but this still is a thing. Like people still very much combine their religion with morals. People do not see morals Yuck. outside of religion. Ugh. This is what 
everybody on this podcast is in the same boat, I think, on this issue. But And this is one of the things that I personally had to wrestle with when I was going through my deconversion process, essentially. What religion does, I'm sorry if I have religious li- listeners out there that were, were maybe... Uh, How do you deconvert aside from just being like, ain't my shit? It's a personal thing. It's not like the Catholic Church where I was excommunicated. I grew up- Did you have to write a letter to your church or something? <laughs> sorry. No, but people, people, people in Italy do have to do that to this day. Whoa. So I had this deconversion process because I just didn't believe in the ark, literally. I didn't believe, you know, in the these, like, the miraculous things in the Bible, things like that. And there's all the, the, the moral side of it, too, turn the other cheek, things like that. You know, obviously, this is, one of the, this is a big conversation in atheist circles in America where hmm. they say that religion will co-opt your natural moral base— Morals, more or mm-hmm. less, come from our evolution. We are, you know, early, our ancestors, our ape ancestors and stuff, more than likely worked as a team in order to survive. It's part of our, well, and it, more or less, you go ahead. Yeah, it developed uh, early on when we were coming out of the trees when it was noticeable that there was compassion that was uh, given to the the tribe, I suppose, the early proto-tribes of of ape people it wasn't it was no yeah, longer exactly. like dog eat dog and then that started to evolve and develop into what we are the base moral fabric i would suppose i believe that anyway i mean th- those that work together i watch curiosity uh, stream were able to were obviously able to spread their genes more so humans by right. and large yeah. we are social creatures and Make a lot of the morals come, come from that yeah also there is that knock boots uh, don't lick them bonobos are matriarchal as well so um, and they have more sex. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, have sex. But in that's your a side. Sex. That's a side topic. But but yeah. So th- also, dude, this was something that was new to me, and I was like 23. I had never even thought about morals outside of religion until I was 23 or 24. Whoa. Okay. When you smoked weed the first time? No, I was in Japan. Oh. I was going through all this <laughs> shit. It was just the timing of me being 24 out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, in another country too it, it had I could have been in any country really but there was something about living in Japan I guess a the timing of me just being 24 B me being out of my parents house for sure and then C like once you live in like a country as different as Japan you start to see everything objectively okay mm-hmm. so I think that that kind of like really helped me to uh, I don't know help the process I guess I don't mm-hmm. know it's hard to explain, really. Really, this has like been kind of a side tangent, but it's <laughs> that's cool. But yeah, Kant was about all of this, okay? Mm-hmm. Which was especially in his Morality. time. That's some fucking, that's some really fucking like advanced shit at this time, especially mm-hmm. in the West, mm-hmm. okay? Um, Nietzsche, I think, more or less uh, agreed on religion needed needing starting to need to take a backseat. So I think they actually agreed on this point. But what they didn't agree on, as far as I can tell, anyway. Please correct me in the comments, but Kant or Kant had what he created, what he called uh, the categorical imperative. Basically, it was it was like, uh, do not lie, always help others, like all the time. No, absolutely no uh, gray area. Like you're absolutely moral all the time, and this is outside of religion. And Nietzsche was against this, so you can already start to see. Um, Superman being a little bit more more Kant than Nietzsche, right? A little bit. I mean, Superman still lies. 
He kind of has to what? to maintain that identity. But a lot, lot less gray than Batman. What is a? <clears throat> tell me, what is a lie that Superman has told? I need to know. I guess his secret identity. <laughs> yeah, secret that's what identity I mean. shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I thought it was just up all like, that type of stuff. I really enjoy Clark, your Clark Kent spending. is a lie. I really enjoy spending time with you, Beth. And then he's like over here, like God, Beth sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God. Well, he, he can lie. He's it's within his ability. I mean, I think I think. He what does do you think lie. he does? Yeah. What do you think he does when he has to interview Lex Luthor? You know, like oh, right. he really is right. going to tell him speak his mind when he's doing that. No, of course not. Listen, I'm really Superman. Suit. <laughs> but I'm acting like an. Uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. I was just I took it too literally. <laughs> the the glasses are a lie, dude. The glasses right. are the lie. Yeah, glasses are a lie. I found this amazing comment as well uh, on Reddit from a guy. He put his full name. I'm assuming it's his name. Uh, his name is the username was Derek Lake. Hip hop And. Uh, he had this to say, Superman is not a character who spends most of his time trying to fix his own problems. Um, in some sense, Nietzsche's superior man, or some people call the, this is Ubermensch, the overman, yeah. mm-hmm. is quite self-centered. He demonstrates the path to a better humanity, but he's meant to demonstrate absolute self-sufficiency mm-hmm. in that regard. Superman is not that sort of character. The key to cracking Superman doesn't lie in having him wrestle with his own identity or doubting his actions or even having him struggle in his in his love life. The key is to make Superman care about other people. Yeah. Superman's a bit like Shazam in that regard. He was conceived as a champion of representing others. That's why he doesn't have a lot of his own problems as a character. That's great. So I so I think the way to make Superman make to I think the way to make us care about Superman is to shape his struggles around the welfare and fate of others. Superman isn't just an isolated beacon. He consciously associates with us and in that sense represents us. He doesn't just protect us. He fights on our behalf. Superman for Prez. Superman for Prez. It's just yes, I'm like people like that. Belly. I feel like they fucking totally get it. Like that's fucking exactly how I think about it. That's mm-hmm. really great. I guess the instinct for maybe filmmakers or like Zack Snyder maybe is is by taking a darker tone and having a more introspective conflict, I suppose, with with this Superman or you know, as it seems on the surface, maybe that there wasn't a whole lot of room in that first experiment, we'll call it Man of Steel. Um, You know, there wasn't a whole lot of room for that concept, that idea of him helping others. He was doing it for sure, but there seemed to also be this need for Zack Snyder to like hang on uh, to what the core of the character is and what his drama is, you know? And so not that you don't want some of that, but it is interesting to note that, you know, he would, the character probably is better served as this, but then you, I guess that's where you get into like the savior kind of stuff and the Jesus God like kind of stuff, yeah, and then it's just I like, well, people, can there even really people, be that? They get know? too carried away with this whole Jesus allegory of Superman. Yeah, in my, in my he's opinion. in a church. There's a shot of him yeah. wrestling with something, <laughs> and there's a stained glass picture of Jesus yeah. in the back, and it's just like, and also by the way, uh, Warner Brothers was were sending. Um, what do you call it? Sermon ideas about s- relating Superman <laughs> yeah. to Jesus to churches yeah. when Man of Steel came out. Oh, that's ridiculous. Wow. This was a thing Warner Brothers was doing as far as I remember reading that. So, like, uh, it, it's just like, dude, we 
don't need that. I feel like even if you are religious, we just and I think I just don't need it. I just mm-hmm. I just don't think it's necessary. Yeah. And I wonder if there's something to that in terms of like, is this character cool? Because, it, you know, like what you're saying from the perspective of an atheist, it's probably like, yeah, Superman's cool to a point. But then if he's just like this savior character, then it's totally untrue, you know, to somebody's perspective. Totally untrue. Couldn't happen. That's not cool. Where Batman is, you know, there's a possibility of that fantasy to somewhat be perceived as could be real you know somebody if they had enough of those resources they could do it's just real enough basically and superman almost seems too too fantastical to to be related to by the world that we live in maybe that's probably should have been my (laughs) well just going back to overpowered like we said before also well i alien but well i'm my what i'm my point that i'm trying to make is that maybe maybe what makes him cool is that to a, a more intellectual um society or fan base potentially is that you know maybe he's just too fantastical to be interesting too many powers no i'm saying because he he ultimately like when we start talking about him being this like savior figure and not because it's leaning into so much what we know about that based on like christian mythology but just the idea that he does become kind of this like savior god of any kind and it gets to the point I guess maybe it's just my perspective or I'm, I'm collective with other people's perspective, but that it, it, to me, he seems a little less interesting than a character like Batman because he's so fantastical in the way that he can like go to this part of the planet and stop world hunger and then go to this part of the thing. And it's just like, man, that sure is nice on the page. Well, I mean, that's part of the fantasy though. You know, it's like the same yeah. reason that yeah. I, I view like Superman being able to fly is like, Gandalf being able to shoot lightning out of a goddamn uh, staff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's in the same category almost. I feel like it makes people sad because they're just like, yeah, that's super great there, but like there's all but this it fucking exist. Yeah. bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't uh, exist. That's what I I'm see. getting at. See, this goes back that's to what, what we were talking is, yeah. about before. Yeah. That's what we, but that, that's the thing though. Like, well, I was going to get to this, but let's get, let's get into it. I didn't want to be like, too heavy handed. No, it's good. It's, it's, it's art for inspiration and things mm-hmm. like that. And, Sure, it's that's not the way it is now, but at the same time, it's something to strive for. Like like they like they say in uh in All Star and uh you know a lot of Superman comics, you know, right. give them a symbol of symbol to strive for. And then there's that, you know yeah, what I mean? exactly. A mind like Grant Morrison to be able to not just like attempt to reinvigorate the interest in the character, but really examining, I guess, somewhat like this episode, what the potential that underlies these these kind of prejudices that have developed well i mean there's there's something to be said about like humanity creates these characters that represent basically supreme goodness yeah whatever we think goodness is you put that into this package we call superman yeah and like grant morrison says that like in some ways (laughs) you know he's into like occult shit and stuff like that. So he's not exactly Christian. Right. But he said, he said, he said that like Superman is better than Jesus because at least we know Jesus, uh, Superman is fake. And, oh yeah. Yeah. That's, and, that's like, there's something kind of good about that because we, we don't need our morals to hinge upon something being real or not. Sure. If we, if we can look towards something, even if we know it's fake, but we sort of, and this is going to get into something later that I'm going to get into, but if we copy like this 
angel, this God, even knowing that it's fake, there's something good about that for humanity overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. At least I think so. Well, and then, At least and I then think you so. le- then you look back into the earlier mythologies, like the Greek mythology and Norse mythology, and then you have those characters. Yeah. Although we have that, you know, we just have that strong connection here to what what would potentially be perceived as mythology in Christianity is like that's you don't you don't call it mythology you know it's the word oh yeah and so it just depends on uh, what time period you're yeah in. And yes, that's yes. why like gods like Zeus and and Hermes and stuff like that it's like oh that's really cool because it's at this point in time addressed as a metaphor you have to sort of still overcome the perception that's going on here of people who don't even really see him as mm-hmm. that inspirational figure mm-hmm. they just see him as boring so while I understand where Grant Morrison's coming from I'm just like that's not really unfortunately that's not really the character's place in pop culture right now yeah 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 you're right you're right I think that's just something that when people do deep dives in the Superman I think it's just nice to discover stuff like that. I don't yeah. know. In terms of like the ultimate good and things like that, it's like the counter argument is like you would never see the Joker or Lex Luthor really, really sit in a heroic role or t- make that evolution because of what they are initially representative of. You mean like evil? Well, or, if Superman uh, is like, if mean? Superman is a depiction of like ultimate good. And, you know, who do you got is like his ultimate evil villain, like Dark Side or whatever. They always give like Thanos and Dark Side and these type of characters these motivations as to why like, oh, society and civilization as we know it is corrupt. So I'm going to well, take it. Well, power level wise, Dark Side and mm. Doomsday are probably even stronger than Superman. So, so let's use like Lex from a power Lu- perspective. Let's use yeah. Lex Luthor. From power, but thema- thematically, those Lex Luthor, there's something that works with him because... He's always going to be, like, backstabbing and opportunistic and meddling. He's never going to be... He exists because some a character like Superman exists in that idea of, like, the extremes. Ultimate good, ultimate it gets, evil. Maybe, it gets yeah. into the Man of Tomorrow kind of uh, thematic thing, too, where... Basically, you know, he's everybody knows he's called Man of Steel, but his other subtitle is Man of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So this whole this whole thing is like Man of Tomorrow today. Like Lex Luth- Lex Luthor sees himself as like he should be the pinnacle of humanity mm-hmm. because he actually is a human. Mm-hmm. But so Superman comes along and people think that he's the pinnacle of humanity and he's not even fucking human. So he has that envy. I, Mm-hmm. He has it's it's envy and it is xenophobia and it's prejudice, you know. So on a thematic level, there is something to be said about why Lex Luthor's worked so well throughout right. throughout the years, you know. I don't know if I see him as the ultimate evil though. Like Lex, he's not the right. ultimate evil. Uh, to yeah. me, Lex Luthor is probably the greatest, uh, one of the greatest supervillains, if not the greatest supervillain in comic history, because of the fact, at least the reversion in the eighties and nineties, because you can understand him in his mind he's right in his mind he's the right. good guy but they do that and a lot more so that, than the joker that's, you're saying that's what but. i was getting yeah. at with thanos yeah. and dark side type of characters is because not their power levels so much but the motivations that are uh, written into these characters are like you know in their mind they're right and their motivations are actually out to like save humanity not not thanos or dark side but lex luther out to like save humanity or steer it into a direction he sees beneficial 
Well, I, I, well yeah, with Lex Luthor, at least. I think Joker it, knows yeah. he's evil and just revels in being yeah, evil. Right. But, uh, you know, it's it's he represents the psychopaths and like that. All I'm saying is like you, you're never going to have a writer like write a Lex Luthor story where Lex Luthor is actually the hero, right? Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Are there really? Yeah. Yeah. He's joined the justice league. He's, oh. uh, he's joined. <laughs> that just sounds like cash grab. Earth. <laughs> uh, but, and, and you know, whether we trust him and, and things like that, but like, he always ends up being bad, right? He always, he's one of the greatest I super mean, villains. The cons- no, the conceit of Superman and Lex Luthor, at least in the in recent times is Superman is always trying to like, he's got to stop mm-hmm. Lex, but he also in some versions knows that there's something in him where, he could have the potential to hmm. help him, to help him save okay. the world. There's that line in All-Star mm-hmm. Superman where Lex Luthor is like, if it weren't for you, I could have saved the world. Yeah, and Superman hits back to him. He's like, if you really wanted to, you would have done it years ago. Yeah, uh, yeah that's what I was and, just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> but like at the end, though, after that, he is inspired to do that. He is inspired to... to kind of turn over a new leaf and then you've got the whole interpretation of Smallville where they were friends and, and everything beforehand right. like there's there's this whole back and forth about like okay uh, in certain versions he's sure he's like you know the ultimate evil piece of shit but in other other versions that I think are more interesting versions of that it's uh he has the capability of doing it he just got too sucked into his own ego he just mm-hmm. got too sucked into right. making it about the Lex Luthor show and not so much about uh, humanity itself and the fact that he says that it's on behalf of humanity is more of his own excuse, but in his mind, he doesn't see it that way. In his mind, he's the hero of right. the story, as shown in you know Lex Luthor, Man of Steel, uh, that comic, and all those sorts of things. So I think that's why he's one of the best. Yeah. He's one of the best supervillains in that. I guess I was just saying that that these characters like tend to fit certain archetypes, you know. So however many other stories they're going to be where okay let's write them as a hero this time for sure they're always going to tend to gravitate back towards the archetype that they work so well in right like i feel like uh yeah inevitably and he'll never stay a hero you know he'll never, i mean that's, that's, that's like that's the, the nature the, of the shifting the, comics the, the you know? yin to superman's yang very much or yeah. the yang to superman's yin mm-hmm. you know yeah right yeah. yeah um but i mean he's a great villain for superman in that regard, I don't know if he necessarily represents the ultimate evil to Superman's ultimate goodness, but I think he's a great foil in terms mm-hmm. of what realistically uh, someone could become in reaction to Superman's existence. It's great. Nefarious Clocking from Reddit also had this to say. <clears throat> this also goes back to a little bit of the Nietzsche talk, or he or she said, having read a little bit of Thus Spoke, I think it's Spake actually, Thus Spake Zarathustra. This is uh, Nietzsche, one of Nietzsche's favorite books. Um, mm-hmm. I have to say that Lex Luthor better embodies the concept of the Overman. This is the Ubermensch, mm-hmm. which is delicious, deliciously ironic. Rejection of spirituality, check. Rejection of imposed morality, check. Will to power, check. <laughs> Lex Luthor sees himself as the best humanity has to offer, while Superman is an alien imposter. My interpretation is that Lex is a big fan of Nietzsche, and is disgusted that humanity has embraced Kal-El as a false Ubermensch. Pretty much. That's good. Yeah, that's he's, good. He sees Superman as making people uh, lazy in a way that they they want the the savior that some guy's just gonna fly down from the sky and just be able to save them as opposed to what he's turned himself into into somebody who is oh, is out to save you know who can save himself that type of thing. 
I don't remember which interpretation feels that way. It might be the John Cryer version uh, in Supergirl, but there, there, is, there is definitely a version of that who, who has that monologue about that. Moving on from that, I was wondering what you would do, and Ben, you've already talked about this a little bit, but uh, what would you do to, to make a great Superman movie or a comic book? I would do a... Judd Apatow style comedy called Downtime, <laughs> where it's every moment, it's like every significant, it would be actually be like a Jim Jarmusch movie or like Coffee and Cigarettes. It'd be vignettes of superheroes and supervillains outside of like the big exploding explosions and action scenes and then cast comedians in these roles. That would be interesting. Jerry Seinfeld as Superman. That's what I would do. <laughs> he, wants to, he wants to be him. Kingdom be Come great. Superman. Uh, I don't know enough about Superman, honestly, to be like, oh, I'll do this and do that. I, I mean, I probably could dream up something, but if I did have the option, I would go with this downtime idea. I think, like, to me, that's really fascinating about superheroes this day and age, especially with all the comic book movies that we have. It'd be really just, like, the other side of the coin to see them bored. And Well, I don't like bored because I don't want to watch somebody who's bored or, so, you know. But, you know, kind of like some of the skits that we've done all right. And Ben, you already pretty much said it. Do you have anything to add? Uh, I mean, it basically emphasizes the the human side of Superman more than the effects. So more than the the fighting. St- like everybody, you know, Man of Steel was kind of made in reaction to Superman Returns. Or they just complained. He didn't throw a punch in the entire movie and Superman Returns. And then Man of Steel was just like, all right, challenge yeah. accepted. And here's a 30-minute yeah. thing of him punching Michael <laughs> Shannon. And I'm like... <laughs> Yeah. Why don't we just do like why don't we just stick to old school storytelling of making you give a shit about the main character uh, <laughs> yeah. on that and you know in all due respect to Zack Snyder looking forward to Snyder cut but I mean that's that's that was just not the effect that I had when I watched that mm-hmm. movie in 2013 maybe when I rewatch it I'll have a different feeling but uh, for here I'm just like make us care about Clark that's the mm-hmm. way yeah. to make emphasize how he is more of the average Joe how we can relate to him he's one mm-hmm. of us. He just happens to be able to fucking fly. That's the how I would approach that. That's exactly. I mean, that's that is the Grant Morrison take as well, where he's like, "Look, the, he he breaks it down in the All Star documentary, mm-hmm. where he says um, he's just a guy, but he just does things on a on a super level." He said something like, "Whenever he goes to walk his dog, he just he does the same thing, but he does it around the rings of Saturn." Right. Yeah. Just you know, keep mm-hmm. the same power set, but have the relatability yeah. that Peter Parker has mixed in with the earnestness of the Captain America, Chris Evans' Captain America, and you've got that—that's your Superman. Mm-hmm. I've had this thought as well, but I was like, people talk about him being vanilla and a little bit too, too normal. Like, if you have a guy that wants to do good in the world. But he's, he's at that power level. He lives in a world of cardboard, like that uh, animated movie said. Yeah, Justice League Unlimited. He has not just his power level, but he has to kind of temper his emotions all the time, I think, so he doesn't, like, mm-hmm. slap somebody dead, you know, in two seconds. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there would be something interesting mentally there as well. You know, like, a guy that, somebody that's, he's always holding himself back. He doesn't know his full potential. What what is it? You know, he doesn't. I think that there's tapping into some the 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 themes of somebody discovering their true potential, always hiding it, not really knowing it, but kind of knowing it's there in the back of their head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's something great there. I just want to see um, him fight some fucking robots, man. That'd be cool too. Just rewatch um, my twenty eight dollar nachos. That's all I want, man. <laughs> 
shit. Y'all talking about Kent and Kierkegaard and all this shit, man. Whatever happened to <laughs> Superman fucking come fly through and punch Metallo, man. What the hell? I just love it when a bald eagle lands on <laughs> Superman's hands. Do you think I... And goes, caca! I know a guy who, like, embodies this kind of Captain America, Superman kind of vibe. He's a firefighter. He's one of the regulars at the restaurant I worked at for years. And yeah. he's a really cool guy. But he had a post one time on fo- Facebook that was like, you know, after all the BLM and, like, cops are being vilified, so- soldiers are being vilified, and in many cases, rightfully so, many, many cases. Um, but he like there's a certain there is a, a real person out there who is that like American hero kind of person guy. And that's what Superman and Captain America have always been. And I think we see these type of archetypes are kind of twisted now because in our real life, that's not really the case that we tend to see. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a lot of ways, I wouldn't want to see a whole lot of things change with Superman in that regard. So that particular guy who is like the good all-American dude, I'm thinking of this dude in particular, to have that character to relate to, although, you know, kind of sliding into the div- the diversity aspect of things, it's like we tend to have a lot of like, it kind of, it falls into like a little bit of that white savior kind of stuff, but we tend to just have like a general aesthetic in that regard. Whereas, you know, if you change superman's race or whatever it may work and then it may not because of where we're at in this place in time um but also you know it's either giving to this side or taking away from that side as as the the broad perception is and i want the all-american hero guy to have that relation you know and we could invent new superheroes but they'll never be to that level of uh iconicness not never but like not anytime soon i think i think changing I mean, this is just a white guy talking mm-hmm. here, but I, I think the changing race is probably works more for Superman than it yeah. would for Batman. What? Even I mean, Mark Bernardin, you know, he's a black co-host for Fat Man on Batman, yeah. and he even like wrote this thing saying like he doesn't think it would work to make Batman black because being yeah. like there's there's like no sadly there's no like old money kind of vibe for the black community mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm especially in america maybe there's african kings or something that i'm unaware of please correct me if i'm wrong and i'm latino i wouldn't i wouldn't want to see a latino superman you know i guess like why do you think that is though i wouldn't want to see a latino in the place of this character that's been created as superman right i would you don't think the immigrant part would work though with that it it could but it just is not appealing to me as a latino american as a mexican american it's not very appealing to me because it would just be like this. It would it would it would almost seem like it's just like, OK, we're going to make him Latino and put on the suit and everything and then like kind of tweak his story. I mean, it could work definitely for sure, but it doesn't Depends seem very done. interesting to me where it doesn't seem very interesting to me where as like draw, actually drawing from Mexican culture to create a hero as opposed to trying to fit. Uh, Mexican American. Uh, I see what you're saying. I see what into you're the saying. All American kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather like a jaguar dude or something. You know what I mean? Like uh, something I see. a Quetzalcoatl kind of Superman would be fucking badass. Like you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it just yeah. I I like that Superman is Superman. I guess is really what I'm saying. And I I don't mind that he's white. And if they changed it, I think that would be cool. You know, I'm always I love experimentation with this kind of thing and flipping it on his head but um but you know there is something to be said about who clark is and 
what he comes from and what he's always been portrayed as that is also very special again you just have to emphasize the clark kent aspect you have to emphasize the humanity mm. behind it whether, yeah, whether he's right. white or asian right. or latino or anything like that like if even if you just cast a latino guy but all it is is just him beating up yeah. robots for the whole movie then it's nobody's going to give a shit still <laughs> the essential plot points could be this uh, largely the same as well no matter the race i mean mm-hmm. good parents you know, immigrant story. If he doesn't wear a sombrero, I don't want to see it, man. <laughs> that's some stupid shit. Again, it just comes making you care. That's all. That's the main secret. That's true. Having, I mean, you can do that with like anything. Good ass parents like like the Kents. I mean, that's obviously yeah. essential to this whole thing. So, mom, Paul, whoever, whatever the race is, yes. I mean, it would mm-hmm. be. I mean, for sure, it'd be very interesting to see. Kind of just makes me think that you know, even though maybe some of the characters that wouldn't be created by in a more diverse way by more diverse creators maybe not be so iconic as superman or whatever but it is definitely time at least for those gates to open um i'm not sure how that can be but it's like uh we do need new heroes that can stand alongside superman and batman that are latino and black and asian i think that sounds more interesting than you know trying to change too much about an established property i suppose last big topic i have before we're out of here everybody knows that uh, especially after man of steel about the s symbol being about hope and things like that but his other subtitle like we said before is a man of tomorrow and um i just always thought this is a really big topic as far as having a character steer humanity in a certain direction even in the real world pop culture wise because i mean i was in a convention one time where I went to this, it was called Comics on Comics, and it was like comedians that were making jokes based on comics. But he opens up with this story about how his parents were never around for him, so he learned his morals from reading comics. And I think mm. that this is probably happens to a lot of people. Yeah. So, like, what happens in the collective unconscious with all these, like, very moral, you know, characters that are influencing us all that are not religion, you know? I think that's interesting mm-hmm. like are we headed towards in the real world what man of what the man of tomorrow is is about i mean it's like a the positive sci-fi slant that star trek has as well mm. you know there's negative sci-fi and there's positive sci-fi like the matrix is essentially a what you what you could call negative sci-fi and then star trek is very much positive so yeah i think that the the man of the man of tomorrow subtitle is a bit people don't understand it at first. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was, I just wanted to explain what that's about. It is kind of sort of related to Star Trek in, in the original version uh, in some of the original stories, Krypton and the Kryptonians on Krypton, they were capable of all these amazing physical feats. Uh, it was explained that this was due to Kryptonian scientific development. Mm. They had made themselves into super beings through their technology. That's dumb. It's just like a, a possible positive future for humans Uh i think and are we sort of engineering ourselves in the real world towards that direction becoming less religious but still more moral and uh obviously increasing our technology and hopefully being ethical alongside these developments we're definitely moving towards destroying our planet that's true. So that's, that involves the, the, the end. We need to get a little bit more ethics with the, that, that technology. And that's right? how prophetic that it could potentially be. Like, say we do end up in this advanced utopian society. However, the damage that has been done will be like the undoing of our of that development or whatever. And we'll have to send a freaking Earth kid to some other alien planet. <laughs> 
but the thing I some like some other planet, yeah, yeah. The thing because I I don't know too much about Krypton either, but the thing I like I think I really like or thought I knew about Superman or liked about Superman was that he didn't get his powers until he was on Earth, correct? With our son or some shit like that, and on Krypton he was just normal. Yeah, some, I think that that actually yeah. depends on the time. Yeah. In which it was, in yeah. which it's written, because I think I like that better. Uh, it, the earliest yeah. versions, it wasn't like that. Oh, but okay. it, once once they had the red sun idea, I think that's yeah. when it became I, like that. I like yeah. that so much better, and I suppose that's another thing that makes him human is the dependency on this life giving essence or whatever. Right, right, right. The sun, yeah. yeah. And otherwise, if it's just a planet full of super beings, and and I guess that's what I was trying to get at earlier with like the fantasticalness. I'm like, eh, that's too. It's too much. I would I would be bored. To, like, what if you were on that planet and you didn't have all these powers that these fucking people did? Be so I hate this idea that people have these shows of like, there's superheroes everywhere, but let's take a really deep look at all the people who don't have super. I think there's a couple shows that came out like that. I'm just like, who wants to fucking watch that? You know, it's so stupid. Right. <laughs> Going back to what we were talking about, like copying angels and gods, I actually got this idea from, mm. uh, well, again, Grant Morrison, but he, he, he brought it up in a documentary as well, mm. where uh, he brings up this Italian, I guess, philosopher from 1486. His name was Pico della Mirandola. Mm. And he had this famous uh, speech, basically, I guess you could say, it was called The Oration on the Dignity of Man. Mm. Mm-hmm. And essentially it says that uh, men were capable of learning from and imitating any existing creature. We often want to fly like birds and the like. When man philosophizes, he sends the chain of being towards the angels and communion with God. When he fails to exercise his intellect, he vegetates. Pico did not fail to notice that this system made philosophers like himself among the most dignified human creatures. The idea that man could ascend the chain of being through the exercise of their intellectual capacities was a profound endorsement of the dignity of human existence in this earthly life. So the, this idea of copying the best parts of whatever we imagine mm-hmm. in order to become the man of tomorrow, I think, is all connected. Uh, I, it's a way, you know, is Superman a way of us creating a fake character, throwing all of what we see as good, and then following that not by rules set forth by the, by the creators of Superman or the character Superman himself, but just rather by inspiration from that character alone. We just don't have any of the religious baggage there, but all of the moral goodness of it. Right, yeah. Which, in that regard, I think, personally, is very beneficial to any mind that is willing, that is relates to that, you know what I mean? Because it does kind of, like, you do want to be able to keep your dreams and like your the fantasies that inspire you along and if you can detach your morals to that it seems maybe there's a deep connection there anyway but in this day and age it's probably very much more healthy from an intellectual perspective to find your heroes without yeah all that baggage of like the religious aspect that comes with it after all that we've talked about in this episode do you think that superman can at least be viewed a little cooler than he was before by most people, uh, Ben. I think so because of the fact that 
I think it's more exposure to the elements we've talked about recently that uh, would require people to, to have a change of heart. You know, I somebody I know just started watching Smallville recently, and he was never a big Superman fan, but he was just like, oh, like there's more to this character than just being invincible. And I'm like, but yeah, like how else is he gonna? How else is he being around for like 82 years? You know, <laughs> like it's like think these things through. Uh, but yeah, that's that's why Smallville is is played such a big role. Uh, he's arguably this the you know Tom Welling is arguably the super the Superman for a lot of people in our generation, even though he never really wore the suit. So it's it's interesting to see that. But I mean, if if you have a Superman movie or a wide you know a wide audience of people watching something Superman, and it emphasizes these moments or these elements of him, how human he is and all those types of things. I'm pretty sure people will come around at that point. You just have to make sure, again, like you just have to make the audience care. And that's like half the battle. Cool. Wolfie. I think on one hand, yes, because now I'm excited to like learn more and talk about Superman. But then on the other hand, I think what you've really shown is that there's so much more to Superman than I think people maybe allow to come in from off the surface because it's it's almost like uh, yeah. not to get too political or anything like that but it's almost like the American flag you know where you used to salute it in school and it, it, it carried a certain meaning that was inherently good but now so many things are attributed to like the type of personality that is you know driving the American flag down the road off their big truck you know it fits into yeah, the stereotype yeah. So I think people's knee-jerk reaction maybe to Superman at any level at this juncture is to think that it's too hokey or he's too much like a symbol of America and America's bullshit, it's corrupt, you know, or whatever. And and it has that same connotation where maybe it's it doesn't find its way to be very truthful because yeah that sure is a nice fantasy to have this great heroic figure but everybody we've applied that type of archetype to that we thought like soldiers and cops right it does it's not necessarily the truth and you know that's just as a symptom of our age and everything there's you know well there's something to be said about you you're never going to get to that level but it might be worth it to strive towards there's towards that it anyway. too. yeah there's that too yeah. and that's not as emphasized or as much inspiration put behind that maybe i mean maybe it is but maybe just to the general reader who would say like superman's lame because i've heard those arguments too but i think what you've really shown here is that there's there's a lot more to the character and there's a lot more behind what makes the character tick for comic book fans and Superman fans than just what maybe the surface allows for some people who are easy to write him off. Right. So you're saying on the surface is he's still not cool in popular perception, but probably he actually yeah. is a lot cooler than totally than yeah. that popular because, perception sees. Yeah. Every question that I had and that Ben would answer or every question that I had Ben Ben's answer is kind of like, oh, well, they have explored that. You know, they did do that. And it's just the, you know, there probably just needs to be a little bit more of a push because even though that Man of Steel is like kind of a divisive film for a lot of fans, if we would have got a sequel and maybe another one and they were pretty, you know, decent or whatever, I mean, we probably will. But I think there just needs to be more of a push because everybody was ready for Superman Returns. I was like so into the idea of Superman Returns. It looked cool. And 
it got everybody in the seats and then it was just like what Oh, yeah. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'd like to thank Kook and Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B., Shamrock Balls, Aaron Willett, Ian H., Dan D., and Leom O. Please join the Shasta Army, especially the $5 tier in which you get bonus episodes. Please leave us a review on iTunes, and also please use your voice recorder app, record us a bumper, and send that bumper to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Twitter and Instagram. Check us out on YouTube as well, Superhero Stuff You Should Know. If you're not already, Wolfie. Oh, yeah, this Wolfie Krez over here. Um, more overly critical, hyper-analytical movie club podcast coming soon. Uh, I've been focusing most of my attention on finding a new place to live. Uh, out here in this Denver, I moved back to Denver, so I've been just trying to find a nice situation for myself, and it's been taking up time as well as starting my old job back. So that's been pretty cool. Now, I, maybe that's too much information, nice. but it's been kind of busy, and <laughs> so I'm working on getting some new episodes up. So come join us if you haven't listened to the Overly Critical Hyperanalytical Movie Club podcast. Go ahead and check out some of those episodes. Uh, I think they're pretty good. We think they're pretty good. Um, other than that, come to Facebook and go to the Overly Critical Hyperanalytical Movie Club group page. Join the group and come talk about movies with us. You can find me on Instagram at Wolfie Cruz. Um, also, Cruzco Comics, C R U Z Z C O C O M I X at uh, on on Instagram. Uh, so the at symbol before all that. Um, and check out some of my art. I'm trying to do some more like comic oriented art and stuff. So that's me. Signing off. You can follow us on Instagram at superhero stuff pod, and well as well as follow me at uh, Ben Juan Ryder on Instagram. Ben signing off. Before I sign off, I wanted to uh, let you know that the outro song this time is not going to be the usual one, but I'm going to be putting in a an awesome mashup of Reeves, Superman, and Man of Steel. This was a really great song, and I think it really captures the essence of Superman. It was from a user called White Monochrome on SoundCloud, and I don't even know if he's on there anymore, but I do want to give him credit for doing this mashup. It is really awesome. And uh, that's it, signing off. Father? Once before, when you were small, I died while giving you a chance for life. You can hear me? Is it showing off and somebody's doing the things he's capable of doing? I failed. The son becomes the father. Jumping off when it flies. No. No, now you listen to me. The father becomes the son. And there's one thing I do know, son, and that is you are here for a reason. Faster than a speeding bullet. They can be a great people, Kalil. They wish to be. Single bound. For this reason, above all. Up in the sky! 
I've sent them you. It's a bird! It's a plane! My only son. 